Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. Have you got to the point where you're really ready to stop drinking? Can you admit, hand on your heart, that you cannot moderate and there is no point forcing yourself around and around the Ferris wheel? Do you want to get sober but don't know where to start? Or do you wish that you could get some positive results this time? In my private membership group, Thrive, you will find the recipe to get and stay successfully sober. Thrive offers wonderful support, guidance on how to start, how to get past specific challenges, and it also includes weekly Zoom meetings. There are many people that have joined Thrive on day one, and now they're celebrating milestones they've never achieved before. Visit www.sassysobermum.com thrive for more info or to sign up. Hello and welcome to this week's Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I've got Michelle who's in Brisbane in Australia and it's about 8pm over there. So um, thank you so much for joining me, Michelle. You are celebrating 503 days of sobriety, which is roughly about a year and a half or so, isn't it? Um, So thanks for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Finally see each other face to face. It, uh, I'm a big believer in when the timing's right, it'll all fall into place. So, <laughs> uh, Me too. I'm a big believer in that as well. Um, we've tried to do this a couple of times, haven't we? But we've got there. Today is our day. <laughs> uh, so why don't we get to know a little bit about who Michelle is? Sure. So as you said, I'm um, hovering around the 500 days sober. So I've I've been on a, a, a pretty big journey for the last little while. Um, previous to that, I th- I think I was one of those very high functioning women that to the outside world looked like I had it um, all together. You know, career, family, friends, fitness goals, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, but on the inside, you know, I just felt like a bit of a fraud, a bit of a phony, because what there was a complete disconnect between what I was putting out there and what I was putting in me, I guess, at the end of the day. Um, I I started off as a, I don't know if there is a normal drinker anymore, Terry, but, you know, <laughs> In Australia, and and much like most other places around the world, it's alcohol is so entwined in in our culture. Mm-hmm. It's it's what we learn really early early on in life. We learn how to celebrate with it. We learn how to commiserate with it. You know, it's it's one of those things. So, I I guess I started probably around thirteen or fourteen. You know, just having the drink on the weekend and and that kind of stuff, and it really wasn't a great problem until I think I started buying into the mummy wine culture yeah it made it all okay or or, you know so we thought it's it's really one of those things that I think we can when we want to we can find or give ourselves permission to drink regardless of what the circumstances are so um 
you know, I sort of started to have a drink of an afternoon or of an evening when the, you know, the kids were little. My kids are now not little kids. They're nearly 21 and uh, 16. So um, we're going back a little way. So that that kind of gives you the depth and the the journey of, of how alcohol can very, very slowly creep into becoming just a part of who you are uh, over time and over mm. time and over time. So you know the the mummy wine culture came in and it was all um was all still a bit glamorous mm. you know oh, get wine and you could have a have a, a you know put the kids to bed and you sit down oh the day's over you know yeah um, and and then you know a few things happened in in life we we moved into state and i was pretty lonely and I I think it became a friend and I know that might sound a bit a bit weird but it was sort of that constant that I brought with me when we moved and I knew at the end of the day as long as I had a bottle of wine in the fridge I would I would be okay Um, you'd have something to do as well wouldn't you that's yeah yeah yeah. it fills the boredom I think in that sort of situation doesn't it especially with young kids and things you can see how that connection Mm -hmm. grows Mm -hmm. Yeah, and something to look forward to, you know, you you have it in the fridge and you could see it whenever you were pottering around and you'd be like, yes, it's nearly time, it's nearly time. Um, and, you know, loneliness can be one of those things that slowly chips away at, at, at who you are and, and, and where you see yourself in life. And, um, you know, that the, the first interstate move was big and we, we had kids that were reasonably young and... Um, we then did another move about nine years after that. So, I mean, that sounds like a big jump, but it was pretty well most afternoons having having a, having a couple of drinks. Um, and then when we moved to our final location, which was Brisbane, um, the the impact of that on me uprooting everybody again, mm-hmm. and the guilt and the and the the emptiness, I think um gave me permission to sort of start a little bit earlier um, yeah. do those sorts of things the kids were a little bit older they didn't really not that they don't ever not need their mum but their needs change and you have to you know move around that and 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 focus on, on what what the changes are and um I work in aviation so when COVID hit <laughs> COVID hit really hard and really early for us and yeah. I had a lot of time on my hands so I went from sort of the normal 45 to 50 hours a week down to mm. about five right. um and yeah it, it 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 became normal in COVID like we talk about the the mummy wine culture um I think COVID bred a whole nother genre of um of the COVID wine culture because it became funny. You know, we could we could do it whenever we could. And, you know, in Australia, we had essential services and alcohol shops were one of them. They didn't close because they were deemed an essential service. So. Um, God, that's crazy, isn't it? hundred percent. It, it, it enabled us, it allowed us. I mean, even at work we had, there was an app, I can't remember what it was called, and and we had five o'clock drinks on a Friday with with those of us that were left around. You know, it was just encouraged and it, and it, and it got us through that time. But for me, it it really increased 
the amount of alcohol I was drinking and mm-hmm. um, and how like how early I was drinking and I didn't really feel like I needed to justify it. I felt that it was justified in itself because yeah, everyone was doing it. <laughs> like yeah, I'd not, and and you had really no one to explain yourself to because you couldn't leave yeah. the house. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly, and. I, I think you, yeah you're right you did you just didn't need to explain yourself to anyone did you no. you didn't and it, if you didn't want to you didn't have to you could no. close the blinds and close the doors and and not have to leave because that's kind of what we were meant to do so you know I don't I don't blame COVID because I really think the seed was planted many 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 years ago yeah. I think always going to be something in me I have a very all or nothing personality so you know I'm I'm very into my fitness, but when I'm not, mate, I'm sitting on the couch eating barbecue shape and Tim Tam. So it's one extreme or the other, you know, it's like, it's, it's zero we're, or a hundred. We're like that though, aren't we? I was, I think I was saying in a podcast last week that I'm yet to meet anyone that, that comes onto this podcast or that I speak to on my Insta page that says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of level with everything, you know, it, it is, <laughs> we are quite all or nothing and I don't know it oh, is everyone all or nothing no they're not they're not all or nothing because my husband is not really all or nothing I would say but I, I I get I get what you're saying completely you you can have a ferocious enthusiasm <laughs> for something and then that can just completely drop off and yeah. it's it's a bit I don't know how you feel about that I, I get frustrated about about that sometimes about myself and I'm I'm having to try and work really hard at the moment to to be consistent in things although fortunately with sobriety I was extremely consistent but I was passionate about it for a very long time but um yeah I I think the all or nothing nature is sort of par for the course a bit really isn't it in the drinking stories out there it is I think it's I think it's part of our um our personality makeup for for most of the 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 drinkers and the non-drinkers and the sober curious people that I speak to it's a it's a pretty common running theme that we you know we're either everything or we're, we're nothing at all. Yeah. So. And the drinking style is like that too, right? Isn't it? So it's sort of, even if that, ver- I mean, for me, that version was not drinking a few nights a week to try and probably convince myself that my drinking was fine, but then mm-hmm. drinking more than I wanted to Thursday to Sunday or something that, I mean, what was your kind of style like? Uh, look, in the in the probably the last ten or so years, it was definitely an everyday drinker. Um, and most mornings, I would wake up absolutely positively determined <laughs> with every ounce of my being that I wasn't going to drink today. Mm. And then by lunchtime or mid afternoon, I'd be pouring a wine. So it. It was a, a, a constant battle, I mm. think, of what I wanted to do and what I just felt compelled to do. Mm. And, um, yeah, it, it was tricky. There, there were only probably a handful of um, days in the last number of years of my drinking where I could say they were alcohol-free days because majority mm. of them um, were not. Um, yeah. So that that was that was how I rolled I just yeah. it was it just became part and parcel of who I was or yeah. who I thought I was yes and how did you feel about that 
Um, and what I mean by that question is I was the same in that I would definitely wake up and have days that I would say, right, I'm not drinking today. And then the brain starts chirping because it wants the buzz. It wants the, the, the dopamine. It wants the, you know, the artificial high and it wants the alcohol basically. And that's, that's the reason why we get into this situation is basically our brain is, is, is kind of addicted to it. So but for me, I would wake up and I would say I'm not drinking. And then I would get to four or five o'clock and be like, oh, I'm just going to have a drink, you know. But there was, and for me, towards the end, there was certainly an underlying anxiety that I was really damaging my health. And I worried about cancer and things like that. And it just felt like that was becoming the elephant in my kind of personal room, if you know what I mean. I was, I, I knew that I was drinking, but I, I, not only did I know that it, I shouldn't be drinking at the levels that I am, but I started to have quite a lot of health anxiety. How, how was it for you? I didn't, and it seems really, you know, um, crazy that I didn't consider too many of the health risks. I think because I was such a a fitness person that I felt like one extreme was balancing out the mm. other extreme. Yeah, uh, a lot of my battle and my um, the the drive that got me to eventually start to make some changes was the internal dialogue, just I, the way that I was speaking to myself and thinking about myself, and I felt like I was in quicksand and I didn't know how to get out of it. It, it was just drawing me further and further into a into a life. And when I say a life, you know, drawing me to a place that I wasn't happy with who I was in it, but I wasn't quite sure how to get out of it and 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 how to move forward with that. I I I'm a really driven and and enthusiastic and passionate person. But I couldn't get past that stumbling block. You know, it was it was like I was tethered yeah. to the bottle. Yeah. And what what sort of um what kind of when you said that internal dialogue, what what was that kind of chatter like? What was it saying? Oh, look, it, you know, anything from you know the 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 shame and the guilt and the you know reprimanding myself and how much did you drink yesterday? Why did you do that? What were you thinking? Just this, you know, the inner critic on on speed and just pointing the finger. You know, I, I reached a point where it was really tricky to look in the mirror because mm -hmm. I didn't like who I saw back. And and then that would create a whole nother dialogue of, oh, you're doing this to you. You're mm -hmm. making these decisions. Um, it, you know, it, it sounds mm -hmm. crazy now. But at the time, that was my everyday. You know, someone asked me the other week, Terry, did I have a rock bottom? And I said, no, I think my everyday was a rock bottom mm. because I was on this repeat, this cycle yeah. of just not much fun and, mm. and just feeling like I was just getting by. Yeah. Just, just getting by. I really, it sort of makes me um, hold my breath a bit hearing that because I truly understand that place. I was in that place myself and I, I, it almost makes me feel a bit emotional thinking about how much I appreciate myself 
now and just how far I've come on my own personal journey and also that I am trying to share that with well as much of the world as I can you know at least the people that are sober curious or trying to get sober and to in, in order to help and I just think isn't it just you know so sad that I used to that I damaged the relationship with myself so much in the process of drinking this liquid that I thought was making everything better in life and really it was you know it wasn't like you I didn't have the big rock bottom I didn't lose a job didn't didn't kind of break a bone or anything like that but you're right damaging the relationship you have with yourself and that being almost non-existent being really negative that that is a kind of type of rock bottom because you've only really got yourself in life to be honest obviously I know we have families and partners and friends and things but you come into the world on your own and you leave it on your own and you've got to have your own back you've got to in this one short precious life you've got to have your own back and to think that we all just get sadly we all get kind of get hooked on this belief that alcohol is giving us so much but really it's just stripping us bare taking everything away I just find that it's quite heartbreaking really obviously there's a happy ending in the story for you and I but it's still sometimes I think quite raw to look back and to think that you maybe got to a certain place with yourself that was quite dark and quite destructive and mm. like, you know it's quite and I think, you know, just, just on what you said there you know Everything I thought that alcohol was giving me, so, you know, I thought it gave me my sparkle and it gave me this this shine and this confidence and this charisma and this personality, everything I thought that it gave me, it actually just stripped away all of those things that I had well and truly embedded in myself before I even took a drink. So yeah. it's sort of like it was this false promise as I'm going to give you this, but it actually there's actually a price tag attached to it and I'm going to take it right back. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, can totally resonate with, with that sentiment there. Yeah. And it's so funny, isn't it? When you think about why do we think that it gives us all these things? It's just, I don't have the answer to that, by the way. That's kind of a rhetorical <laughs> question. But now... I feel like I've got so much spark and zest and enthusiasm for life. I'm such a good person to talk to because I'm really into the conversations I have with people around me and I'm excited and I'm energetic and I just, I have everything that I thought I had when I was drinking, but I, but I didn't have when I was drinking. But why did I think that I had that when I was drinking? It's just bizarre. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. And I don't know if it's because we, you know, we 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 learn how to live a life that is just at, attached mostly to some form of drinking, and so we, you know, it goes hand in hand with with living that 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 life. Um, I can totally totally get that, and I, I, you know, I look back now and I think, you know, when I look at photos of, you know, twelve months, well, not twelve months, a bit longer than that, you know, eighteen months, two years, three years, four years ago. A, I think, oh my God, it's like I've had a facelift. <laughs> the, yeah. You know, the, the glow that we get in sobriety. Yeah. I never yeah. glowed when I was pregnant. I had really, like, really bad morning sickness and those sorts of things. And I always was waiting for this glow. And mm. it came with sobriety. So, you know, it's, um, 
all of that 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 glow that sparkle that that shine that zest for life it just you know if they could bottle that that's what they should be bottling yeah um so talk to me about the day that you decided that's it I'm gonna stop what did that look like I think the day that I decided to to stop was probably about three months before I actually stopped and I really wanted I, I bought all the quick lit and I started to listen to the podcast and I really thought this is just going to sink in by osmosis and I'm just going to wake up in the morning and go, oh, <laughs> I'm sober. <laughs> and <laughs> it didn't work like that. It didn't work like that. But what did happen is, you know, through education and, uh, you know, listening to the amazing podcasts um, that are out there, I stumbled across one which um, was an Australian-based one which really hit my stuff and um, they happened to offer a uh, a challenge, an alcohol-free challenge, which I um, I signed up for and uh, it was a three-month uh, challenge and I, I signed up um, not really sure if I was just going to do the three months and just see, you know, have a break and see how I felt and, and, and do all that kind of stuff. And I think at about uh, the three, oh, probably about the four or five week mark, I just was like, no, I'm I'm done with this alcohol business. I'm out. And I think from that point, Terry, I've just grabbed sobriety with everything and just run with it. And it's just been, um, yeah, it's 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 been, you know, you don't want to go all cliche and and whatnot, but it has. It's changed my life. I don't know what I don't know who I would be and how this would look if I hadn't taken those steps and, and gone down that path with, um, you know, with the the group that I did it with. Amazing. That's fantastic. And so what do you think, um, what, what was the changing factor there? What happened in that first four or five weeks that got you to the point where you thought alcohol is gone for good? I don't think it was just one thing, but I think really early on in, in the in the challenge it was just that connection with other mm-hmm. people and being able to look at someone and know that they actually got what you were talking about mm. they understood where you were coming from they could feel the pain or they could hear the same sort of voices that you would have and the, and the, that inner critic stuff they they got it yeah. and I think as supportive as um you know my family and friends have been along the way you don't get it unless you get it. Yeah, so true. And and it's much the same as you and I looking at people that can have one drink and not think about it ever again because they're that they're that crazy person that I never was. You know, one was too many and a thousand wasn't enough. Yeah. So for me, looking at at someone that could go, oh, you know, I freeze my leftover wine. I would be like, what the hell are you talking about? You have leftover wine? Oh my god, I didn't know anyone did. Can you freeze wine? I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's kind of the yeah the the, the reverse of that started to happen because mm. the, the support that you do get from from the people in your life is amazing but they don't really understand what it feels like to to wake up and feel the way yeah. that you were feeling and and that connectivity is is so important and i think most 
you know, most people I've spoken to in the sober community and, you know, about it, connection's been key. It's it's yeah. finding people and your tribe and and those people that get it. And and sometimes that's podcasts like yours where you, it's just in your ears all the time and you feel like you know the people. And, you know, I chose really early on to speak out because if my words can help someone start to think about what's happening with them then that's my service like that's what I need to do Mm. yeah oh that's so beautiful um and yeah it really makes me smile actually because I I do think the stories and the people that come on this show as well I, I I I can see every day the messages from people that say it's just makes such a difference hearing other people going through or have been through what they're going through I just I think that's quite priceless to be honest because you do feel so isolated when you are in that place where you're kind of you're going around the ferris wheel this is how I always imagine it you're going around the ferris wheel you're doing that because that's what you've always done but you are, there is something inside that's starting to question, am I really happy with this? Do I really want this? I, I I probably don't, but I don't know how to stop it because the pull to do it every other night, every night, every week or weekend is so strong. And also it's so ingrained in our culture to do that. So stepping off that Ferris wheel feels so frightening and you feel like you're the only one that's even thinking about getting off it and so you're so right when you get off if you can get off that ferris wheel and there's kind of a group of people that are like-minded that are there with open arms going come over here we've stepped off it too (laughs) we know what it's like and by the way we can we can share this journey together and share the highs and lows that really counts for so much doesn't it and it's interesting because when i i mean i'm going to celebrate four years in april and there was there was a lot of stuff available uh, on Instagram and obviously there were podcasts. And so it was, it was, it was great at the time. I, I, I felt quite fortunate because I did a stint at 30. I, I tried to get sober at 30. So that was quite a long time ago. That's 15 years ago now. And there, I don't remember there being anything <laughs> like there was literally nothing. Maybe the Alan Carr book was alive at that point, but I didn't read anything. I didn't do anything. I, I just white knuckled it. And there wasn't a lot of people openly talking about giving up alcohol. And I wasn't kind of the typical alcoholic, you know, rock bottom. I just, when I drank, I just felt like I drank too much. I binge drank and I got into situ- got into trouble, fights with boyfriends or losing bags or losing friends on a night out. Not, not, I wouldn't even say they're not even terrible things, but they were things that I just thought, oh, you know, I shouldn't, this this is not a good sign. And so there wasn't anything available back then. But when I got sober four years ago, there was. But now, or getting sober, I think maybe in the, now, today, there's just there's so much going on. And it's just so brilliant that there are so many tools, so many accounts, so many podcasts, so many groups. And just, there's just so much going on. And I just, I think that is a real sign that there is a wave happening. A lot of people are choosing, well, actually maybe stepping off the first world is not that bad. Let me give it a go. 
Um, but yeah, also just, it's just, it's, I think it, it's just nice. It feels validating as well. Something that I think I've noticed in my four years where it was still, I still felt shame around stopping drinking four years ago. Now I I wonder, I, I do feel like that shame is hopefully starting to lift, but just because so many people are kind of going down this route. So I love that about the connection thing. I do. I think that's super, super important. Um, what were the most difficult bits for you um, getting sober? And I'm sort of most interested here in kind of the first hundred or so days. Look, the first hundred day, hundred or so days, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It, it, it was tough. Um, and look, the, the group I did, which was called How I Quit Alcohol, um, by the the ran by the amazing Danny Carr, she um created a, a, a challenge and we had weekly catch-ups online and we had a Facebook group so the, the connectivity was there but we still had to you still had to do the work which is what I don't think really anybody is overly prepared for um, I was pleasantly surprised that despite the amount that I was consuming I didn't really have a physical detox I didn't feel I didn't go through anything headaches or vomiting or you know shakes or anything like that and and whether that's because I knew I was ready yeah I I don't know Mm -hmm. so the so the 100 days when I say they were tough it was tough in in a relearning and a, and a reprogramming, I guess, of doing stuff, doing life, doing eating, yeah. doing marriage, doing friendships without this um, thing that I'd always had as, as you know, and as an extension of my being, I, mm-hmm. I thought. Um, so the hardest thing for me was really to give myself a break and to show some compassion because I was always, you know, that that voice and that argument that I always had with myself was so firm and so nasty at times. Compassion's been something I've had to learn and and I do have it now for myself. So I I think those hundred days for me, it was, you know. A bit like a roller coaster because some of them was you know, some moments were just phenomenal and it was just like you would be like yeah did the sun always look like that and then <laughs> other times you'd be like oh my god is that sun so bright do I have to go outside yeah. you know it depends on on where you were at any given point um but each day I think I just sort of started to feel a little happier and every day wasn't rainbows and unicorns mm. and streamers and, and parades because it's it's not its life. Mm. Um, but I meant I, I think there was a, a sense of pride that I was doing life as mm. me for the first time in a really long time. Yeah. And that counts for so much when you start to build that sense of self-pride. I don't know about you, but I um I'd for, I'd really forgotten what that feeling felt like. I still feel that sense of pride, as I'm sure you do. Mm, um, yeah. But that feeling of when you share or you're vulnerable, you know, for the first time or the first few times, that feels like a really big achievement. And you know, getting through your first weekends without alcohol and 
creating some distractions or just doing some different things and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, that feels like a real achievement. And it's those little things that build up, I think, that create the magic of not having alcohol in your life. No, totally agree. And I I think sobriety can sneak up on you a little bit because you you all of a sudden have these moments of like, that's why I feel so good. And you, you know, you, you, you go about your day and you start as you get more and more days in your, in your sobriety bank account, things become, become normal and you become a bit more adept at dealing with the hard stuff, you know, the emotions and, and, and when things prop up, because inevitably they do, they, they, they propped up when we were drinking as well. We just chose to drown them out and not Mm -hmm. really deal with it. So um it's an interesting shift and 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 I still really like it when I have those little moments that sobriety taps me on the shoulder and says yeah you know we're doing this together and I think celebrating those is really really important oh that's so nice I love that um that creates such a nice visual actually when I think about that and what what kind of tools do you think that you learned during that period or during this last sort of year and a half and I'm particularly interested in what you did in terms of trying to foster some of that self-compassion which I think for for most drinkers especially I think the ones that at least I've come across um self-compassion is the one of the trickiest things to develop um because there's so much shame and self-loathing I think wrapped up in our drinking that it just feels so alien to be kind towards yourself how did you navigate that what did you do I think early on I did a lot of um and I still do a lot of journaling I really like writing and I that's sort of my creative outlet in a lot of ways of, of getting getting out of what's in upstairs in my brain out on onto onto paper um sometimes the journaling um you wouldn't really be enough you know you I would need to do some other things I often would do self-recordings when I was walking and things like that to to get the flow of the voice out and and that worked really well for me and whether I listened to them again it didn't really it didn't really matter but I got the the words out at the time when I needed to to get them out um in terms of kindness I really early on um started leaving little notes on mirrors around the house which made me sort of look into the mirrors so I wrote in red lipstick I think at about week three I am enough on the mirror and every time I looked in the mirror I saw that and I would have to read it and I'd have to my reflection through it and that started feeling really nice and yeah. then I started writing some other things and you know oh, a nice bum <laughs> whatever what, you know whatever it was that gave me a smile and, and gave me a spark and things like that so um I then sort of started to believe the good stuff and and the more I I, I think that the more I actually looked into myself and thought and saw these great qualities, the easier it was for me to believe them because I, there, there wasn't this countering voice mm. going, oh, I, don't, oh, I don't know about that. So mm-hmm. I think for my journey, you know, my loneliness and emptiness that 
probably kick-started the, the need to, to have um, such a relationship with alcohol as I did came from a, a, a real place of um, vulnerability and not really believing in who I was. Mm. And um, that's been probably one of my biggest wins in, in, in that, that the self-compassion, it was just little stuff, Terry, just those little prompts on the mirror or, mm. you know, when my husband who I've been, we're celebrating 30 years of togetherness this year, um, starting to actually believe when he says things to me that were that were complimentary or, or, or were nice instead of going straight to that place of, no, that can't be true, that can't oh. be right. Just that fostered more and more and more. Um, and then, you know, there's other, other practices that, mm. you know, have factored into that. I do, I do love my yoga and, um, and meditation and those sorts of things. But again, they, they took time and I had to start, um, had to set realistic boundaries with things like that because being an all or nothing type of personality, well, I want to be able to bend my legs into a pretzel and do all this stuff after <laughs> the lesson two, or I want to be able to meditate for 45 minutes and become this enlightened being. And I wasn't going to get there because I, I didn't, I wasn't ready yet. So I had to be okay with going, if you meditate today, Shell, for two minutes and you go to a good place, that's awesome. Yeah. It's sort of celebrating those little wins. Yes. That, that add up to bigger wins. Totally. I love that. I loved all of that. I, I think we put way too much pressure on ourselves generally. And I do wonder as well, um, being mom and be you know be it working and all the other different roles as well like I think we've just kind of I think we've gotten to this place where we think we can have it all or we should have it all but actually having it all becomes I think too much in a lot of ways and we define having it all as too much and actually having it all for me now is just feeling really happy with who I am really that you know we define I think we have to redefine success in our lives and as well as like redefine fun and all those other things but you're absolutely right that actually if you can achieve two minutes of meditation then that is brilliant and that it will make a difference because two minutes a day adds up to a lot of minutes in a week and it's just taking yourself away isn't it for that two minutes and giving that self to giving that two minutes to yourself and just getting into a a, a daily practice really um and i've i've found that applying that to things that I really want to be doing or achieving in my own life just taking the pressure off and trying not to you know be all <laughs> all the time has made a really big difference because I really I really like running I really want to run consistently that's all I want to do but before I always approached it okay I really like running I need to run four times a week I can't I can't run four times a week because I've got so much of the stuff to do. I've got the podcast, I've got the job, I've got kids, I've got husband, blah, blah, blah. But actually, just by saying, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do two runs a week and I'm always going to do two runs a week and stick to it. And these are my it's just it's a bit less. I mean, maybe it's not an amazing example because people would think, well, two, running two twice a week is a lot. But for me, it's it's just it's keeping it small. 
it's keeping it achievable and it's allowing myself to feel good because I can accomplish it because I can achieve, I can, I can do that thing. Um, and I think that's just such a brilliant message that you gave there that you just need to do it for a little bit every day. And it's the same, I think with sobriety practice, just to just do a little bit every day, whatever it is, whatever it is that you love doing, reading, listening to audiobooks, listening to podcasts, really immersing yourself in, in the, um, online Instagram or Facebook community or a group that you're in just do a little bit every day and just make it a daily habit I think it's very powerful a really powerful message yeah I think that the small the small stuff really equals success and sobriety yes if if you go in what hoping that it's all going to change all at once then I think we're setting ourselves up for failure. And the same could be said for any example that we've just done, like you're running. If you say, right, I'm going to run five times a week and you don't hit that, well, then you're disappointed and you don't give yourself credit for maybe those two runs or those three runs that you did do. So it's it's sort of reversing it in sort of in, in, and and probably helping all of this that are all or nothing in going, there is somewhere in between that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be everything it doesn't have to be nothing there is a really soft place in between yeah. which brings you happiness and yeah. contributes to success absolutely and and I think a lot of that as well comes down to setting the right expectations with yourself um and I get messages all the time of people that are a couple of weeks into sobriety and, and and I can tell that they're like, well, why, why isn't everything happening? You know, why, why am I, why am I not fixed yet? I was expecting to feel better. And I say, you know, listen, two weeks is amazing. Two weeks. I think the beginning is the very, very hardest bit to get going and get into it and do your first 30 days. It's, it's, it's really tricky. And actually so much is going on physically and mentally during that time period you know you're taking something away that you have conditioned your brain to expect to rely on to to think that it's needed for survival if you take that thing away it's it's it takes a long time to recalibrate and to not just recalibrate physically uh but like you say the emotional sobriety piece it 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 it's not an overnight thing. And I think sometimes we, one of the things I try to say to people um, is please remove your expectations of what is going to happen. You know, you, you probably will feel a lot of these things. So there's obviously some expectations that can be set around tiredness and maybe cravings for food or sugar and all of that sort of stuff. But in terms of where you think you're going to be at any certain point, you've got to take those expectations away and you've just got to try and move through it day by day. Try a little bit, do some different stuff, practice your um practice the sobriety every day by doing some of the daily work like listening to podcasts and reading, but take away all those expectations because they will set you up for failure just like trying to run five times a week will set you up for failure because it's not you you can't you can't maintain that. And with expectations, I think if we can just strip them back, take them away, then I think it just allows us to open up and enjoy the process. And I think we have to try and fall in love with the process of getting sober. It's such a, 
actually, if you reframe it, it's such it's such a positive experience yeah there are challenges but a lot of it is how you approach the challenges and look things are difficult but if you can work on it and get through it or sit with it and come through the other side you're going to get a really big reward for that that's going to make you feel good and like you've accomplished something um and yeah that that's that's the beauty of this process that actually all of it, including the challenges, are all taking you into a really lovely, positive direction. 100%, 100%. And I think around that expectations too, you know, we do enter in in our lives, you know, we do these, um, you know, 30-day challenge here with fitness or whatever it might be. And I think the thing is with sobriety is we don't have an end date mm. because this is just our life. This is, this is the life that we've chosen to live. So removing the expectation that you're trying to reach a finish line mm. is really quite refreshing as well because it's then this is how I live my life mm. and I'm not racing towards a line. I'm not racing towards 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever. And that's not discounting the powerfulness that is attached to banking those sobriety days. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just I think there's something when we remove that end date mm. and we choose life over this is this is what I'm getting to that we we really start to embrace the process then because we know that whatever I'm doing now is going to add value to my life as I move through it. Yeah. That is such a special message. I think that's really really lovely. And if anyone can take anything from this podcast today, although there's loads and loads of bits of wisdom that's coming out here, but um, you've got to really, you've got to try and enjoy the process, haven't you? You've got to fall in love with the process. And this is this is just about living your life without a mind altering substance that's going to change your state and make you falsely believe that it is helping you because nothing is going to help your life more and your and your happiness your happiness today and your future happiness than learning to rely on yourself and regulate yourself and being able to enjoy the small bits of life that come along the small moments of magic but also cope with the big stuff that does come along because that is life but to be able to stand strong in a challenge or in a I don't know life-changing event or just something that's big and difficult being able to stand and and cope that is something big isn't it I mean that is that is what it's all about that is just what it's all about you don't need anything to guide you through that situation because you've got yourself and the tools that you're learning in sobriety and and yeah, the self-compassion and all that stuff. It's just yeah. so lovely. So uh, we've talked about so many positives uh, already, <laughs> but uh, haven't we? I mean, it's just been, it's been yeah. lovely, it's been really uplifting. What um, what would you say is the biggest gain for you if, if you could narrow it down to one thing? <laughs> I, I think the biggest gain is 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 having myself back and um, I was talking to some girlfriends a couple of weekends ago and and one of them said 
this statement and it really hit me because I hadn't really thought about it. And she said, I trust myself now. Oh, I love that. I and know. I was just feels. like, oh, yeah, I do too. And yeah. that's that's massive, you yes. know, someone that was living in a state of deceit with myself mostly, um, you know, de- pretending how much I drank and all the stuff that goes along with it. You know, most mm-hmm. most people have a have an idea of of what that means. You know, hiding bottles and and pretending that I didn't have that and and all that mm-hmm. horrible fraudulent fakery mm-hmm. that that goes along with it. To be able to know that I trust myself, yeah, it's massive, Terry. It's yeah. it's and it's it's big stuff and it's little stuff. I trust myself to know that after I finish this interview with you, I can go and pick my son up from school. Mm. No dramas. I trust myself that I'm going to make really good decisions moving forward. Yeah. I trust myself that I'm going to pick people in my life who are going to add value and are, and are meant to be part of my journey. I trust myself that I'm moving forward with my husband in a really good way. You know, that trust that trust thing's huge. Mm. And for most of us as big drinkers or as any sort of drinker, we lost, we, we lost that pretty early on because I think mm. the drink took that away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it makes me have goosebumps. Um, I, I love that. I trust myself. And you know who's showing up, don't you? You know, you know that when you plan something or if somebody says – let's meet at 8 a.m. and jump in the sea or something. Or, you know, let's let's go for breakfast on Sunday morning or let's meet and do this or do that. You know 100% that if you say, yeah, great, I'll be there, you're going to be there. 100% you know that. And you get to show up on that day, be a reliable person and enjoy that experience as well without feeling hung over because that 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 was the reality wasn't it that you know maybe you you know you might stick to those sorts of things or not sometimes you would just bail wouldn't you if you booked them in and oh. you were drinking you'd just be like oh, I can't face this so you'd become unreliable and that lets people down and that's a horrible feeling but also you'd miss out on the activity um, because you wouldn't get to do it or you wouldn't get to do it feeling 100% well. You would have to scrape through it and just be wishing for the end so that you can go home and eat some chips and drink some cola or something, you know. And yeah. that that's just, I I felt like I was living like that way too often. Like most of my week, I was sort of waiting to get through things. What a horrible way to live, seriously. And it's important to me to be a reliable person. I want to be there for people, for my friends, for myself, for my husband, for my children. So not being there and being flaky or letting people down really bothers me. But that's what you do as a drinker. I think you just, you can't function properly, can you? Like you said, you were high functioner that you said at the beginning. And I, I think I was quite similar I was always, uh, you know, managing to do the job and run the home life and do the exercise as well, even. But just never, I just never was never doing anything at 100%. 
And I couldn't trust myself to be consistent and I couldn't trust myself to show up. And I think you're absolutely spot on when you say when you trust yourself. There's Nobody can take that from you. Nothing can break that feeling. That is a powerful feeling. That in itself creates so much self-love and self-compassion. Oh, it, it sure does because all those things you've just said, you, you trust yourself enough to not let anybody down, yourself firstly, but anybody else that's in your life. You trust yourself to be able to make good decisions. I don't know about you, but I made some pretty shonky decisions under the influence of alcohol. I can trust myself that I'm not going to make those now. Yeah, I can trust myself that the example that I'm setting for my kids and for other people, like that ripple effect, never under underestimate the the ripple effect like you know that's just huge and I trust that what I'm doing is creating really good ripples oh that's so nice if we talk about the top three tips that you would give for people that are trying to get sober have just got sober or yeah are just looking for a bit of a sober reset what would you say I would say, firstly, um, you you have to really try and understand your why. Like, why did I drink and why do I want to stop drinking? And that can be really simple as, you know, starting a list. Um, I just think without having that why, and I think what the why does is starts to peel back the band-aid on the emotional sobriety early on we talk we just removed that we're just removing alcohol and I think a lot of people think that that's what sobriety is we just take that substance away and everything and I'm now sober and I suppose to the letter of the law you you are but without undercover uncovering your why you are simply white knuckling it and and you know you used that term earlier in the discussion from when you're you know your first um, attempt at sobriety in, in your 30s the, a dry drunk is not someone that's fun to be around someone that's just not drinking and not pre- not prepared to do any any work on it you know you just become a, a a really angry person so the the why is is essential I think in um in starting to to peel back what you're going to get out of it and how you're going to evolve with it that would be number one I suspect I say. <laughs> yeah. So true. I think the whys are something that you um everybody should do, I think, in that first 30 days. And I do think writing it down, I'm such a fan of journaling. I I, I try to encourage everybody in my group to journal as well. It doesn't have to be big, just a little bit every day. I tell you what, you forget how you feel a lot of the time in early sobriety you do you you don't think you're going to forget you forget it but you do um if anything I wish I journaled more I wish I had more to look back on and to see because I would just love to read that now but if you can write the whys down and even explore those whys so what are the reasons why you want to stop drinking but really try to write out how those things make you feel and why they're so damaging or you know just dark or 
just just get that story around your whys and keep it and put that somewhere so that you can come back to it. Because I do think in triggering moments or if there's a bit of complacency that starts to set in, being able to refer back to those is is a really, really helpful tool. Uh, secondly, I would, something I found really, really helpful and, and I did it at about three months was I wrote a goodbye letter to alcohol, like a breakup letter. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was part of the, the challenge that we did. And, and if we wanted to, we could read them out to the group as we did them. But I've kept it and I've often referred to it because it's um, it's like what you were saying about, you know, writing in your journal early on in sobriety. Those reasons and, and the way I felt about alcohol haven't changed. And it's just, it's really nice to, 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 to break up with this substance. And you can blame the substance all you like. It can be like leaving a really bad relationship, you know, now you did this you did that you made me you made these promises and you didn't keep them you know for me you know I felt really gaslit by my drinking because whenever I wanted to change it the inner voice would start saying but you're the one drinking you're the, you, it's your problem so the goodbye letter to alcohol was a really nice cathartic full stop on where I was and then where I wanted to go I've never heard of that before. Absolutely love it. I'm probably going to steal that one. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. I think that what a, what a, yeah. And it sits so nicely as well with that whole journaling piece and just trying to get your thoughts and feelings out so that you can decode them or make sense of them. I just, I think that's lovely, a lovely exercise to do. And I think the last one would be to celebrate yourself. Celebrate your wins. Um, a friend of mine, Lyndall, often says, not everybody gets to do this. And it's really true. Like it's a really simple statement. Not everybody gets to do this. And that can be by choice. That can be by circumstance. That can be by really, really devastating situations. But not everybody gets to do it. And we're really, really lucky if we do. So to me, never forget that that feeling of, of joy that those little bits of sobriety bring you mm. and to celebrate them, you mm. know. Celebrate all those little things that, that, you know. This morning I went to yoga early and was just about to go into the gym and the sun was coming up over the water where we live and it was these purpley-orange hues and I just took a really quick photo and I'm like, I'm on the way to yoga, but this is the view. And that to me is a celebration because, mm. you know, a couple of years ago, I would have been up punishing myself for sure, but I would have felt like shit. I would have had a headache. I might, you know, I would have just not been there to enjoy it. And so yeah. for me, that's something to really celebrate. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I love that. I, I do feel like your eyes open wider to see things like that. And I, you said something earlier as well, and I thought that was really funny because uh, I, I I really related to it and it and it was was it something like was the sun always this bright <laughs> or something like that it is a bit like that I love that not everybody gets to do this I think that is such a great way to end this show um people come to me a lot and say oh I'm I'm really struggling I you know I feel like a failure I've I, I've only done a few days or I started drinking again you know and and they have so much 
some of you know that kind of negative talk of they just feel like they're doing so rubbish and they're not achieving anything and I just think but you're here like so many people don't get here people so many people don't care about removing alcohol from their life or they don't they don't even know that that's the issue in their in their life but you're here and you're trying and you're you know that that counts for a lot and I say that a lot to people like don't be so hard on yourself you know you you've started something it'd be very I think it's very difficult once you start I do think it's difficult to go back and go back forever. I do think that there is that kind of maybe that's that toing and froing a bit, or maybe some people start and they just they just get it. They you know they're like you. They get five weeks in, they think bang, that's it, I'm there. But um, just by the very fact you're just trying and you're you're starting, you've you've almost crossed a line to to, to begin with that many don't. That many don't get there and so I I just I think that's really really lovely um oh so if you're open to sharing your journey with us how can we find you yeah you can find me on Instagram my uh handle is at the sober connection great and, uh, that's my primary place there there is a, a website etc coming but that'll all be on it'll all come through instagram i'm, I'm just a bit i'm a bit slow with the, oh, <laughs> with the tech stuff no I'm, yeah. I'm getting there i'm getting there i'm, I'm, yes. I'm taking taking steps so um yeah so yeah happy to happy to connect with with anyone that that wants to chat near and far uh, or needs a bit of a cheerleader moment because you know I think that's one of the most beautiful things we have in in sobriety is the sober community. You know, it's Definitely. zero judgment. We've all been there, yeah, uh, and we're all we're all ready to to lift someone out of those holes. Yeah, absolutely. And I always find find it very healing uh, to give back to this community and to share. And I think um, sounds like that's hopefully what you're going to be doing as well. And I really yeah wish you all the luck in the world thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on my show really grateful for it and um yeah let's let's stay in touch you never know might be in brisbane at some point soon if i can get my three kids there and not uh have heart failure <laughs> Absolutely. No. Uh, thank you thank you so much for having me and you know third time's a charm tonight absolutely <laughs> yeah absolutely it's been an absolute pleasure thank you and thank you everybody for listening thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you're interested in being a guest please contact me directly on instagram by sending a message to at sassy sober mum You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.